going on, everybody? Happy Thursday Happy night. Happy Thursday, Happy everyone. Thursday. Let me go full screen. There we go. You guys. Yep. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Woo. Nice to see you. Man, it's been oh. a week. Thursday night live. Mm. Mm. And we got a great topic tonight. Is it something about all these bottles on the bar? Well, it's, an, it's always about the bottles it's a good on the indication, bar. right? <laughs> There's a bunch of them, man. Yeah. Uh, but tonight, we get to talk, talk about something that we started, you know, kind of hitting at the beginning of the year around American single malts. And, you know, as Scotch for Dummies, you know, we're pretty used to drinking malt Multiple beverages. Bars. Yeah. So, and not beer malt beverages, but other than that. Exactly. And so when we started to find out about these American single malts, we, we started getting some and we we're like, wow, this is. This Spectacular. Is, this is, this is as <laughs> Scotch-like as American whiskey is. Yes. I mean, and, and even though I don't know if I would compare any of these to Scotch per se. I mean, there, cause there's so much variety here. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, it's it's been interesting so far tasting through some of the models. Um, there's definitely some very unique American things that they're doing. Yes, um, like like malting with mesquite wood. Um, yeah, and using uh, unused casks, uh, brand new casks. So I, I think that you know, kind of like Scotch in general. Like it's kind of experimental, right? Like they, they, they try different things. And I think the American version of that will be very interesting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into this. Yeah. There's a lot to learn. And it kind of, when we started getting into this, it's like the wild, wild west. Like what is, what is going on here? Who's this? What's going on? It's kind of like our scotch journey all over again. Yeah. And so we started looking into it more and we have a special guest tonight. It's going to talk about, you know, the industry and kind of, yep. he kind of founded some things. He's pretty important to the industry. So looking forward to that. But before we begin, let's say a quick hi to our friends in the comments here. Join the show. Steve A. Good to see you, Steve. Tom, Tom R. Kim Rhetoric. Very nice. Michael. Michael and Trevor and Fish and Shrimp by Rich. Ah, <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. I love that name. <laughs> yeah. Everwind. Hey, everyone. Ahoy, Ahoy, Nate. Nate. Martin and Malt and stuff. And man, there's a lot of people. A lot of people are really excited about drinking their American Single Malt tonight. It's they're great. not alone. We are as well. So yeah. everyone's asking about the Peachwood. So we'll see. Not this evening. Not this evening, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Trooper. Trooper, are you on? Are you actually uh, on the states today? Or are you actually an oil rig? <laughs> oh. Hopefully, he's, he's in the states drinking. So Michael's got a great Michael Hassard question: Is this stuff cheaper than Scotch? Well, I think we'll. we'll have to uh, ask that's a good question. It's a fair question. <laughs> fair question. Depends on which Scotch you're talking about, I guess. Greg Lewis is a longtime nosy, and Zach Anderson. Oh, somebody's pouring Maltzilla right now. Well, we I, I believe uh, I don't have that in my glass, but, yeah, uh, but Drew's drinking that. I'm drinking some right now. So, uh, Texas whiskey. So should we find out a little bit more about this single malt stuff from, uh, somebody who knows well, more who than do we, we do? have? Who's coming on? Yes. So we have Steve Hawley, who's Steve a founder Hawley. and president of the American single malt whiskey commission. Wow. Cool. Awesome. So he has a, got lots of experience. You know, when you found a commission by yourself, well, not by yourself with others, and then are able to create the, the definition of a whiskey with a, a tax trade bureau, that's I mean it had to be hard. <laughs> it's so yeah, much information. I, I bet you tell us something. I mean, we should have him on talk about yeah, let's it. Let's talk, welcome yeah. him. Let's welcome Steve to the show. Hey Steve. Gentlemen, how you doing? Good. Great Good. for Thank having yourself. me. Absolutely. Well. Yeah, so I was tell, I was gonna tell my wife that I was gonna be a dummy tonight, but I thought better of that one. <laughs> yeah. Well she might have just, I don't know. Depends. She might agree with you. I know my wife. Yeah, I, I didn't want to hear I didn't want to hear 
<laughs> we're all dummies in this yeah. world, right? <laughs> Compared well, to thanks for having dummies. me. This is this is going to be fun. So I'm uh, I'm at your disposal here to talk about American single malt and uh, and learn you guys a little bit. So we're we're excited to have you on the show and learn more about you. I guess a, a good place to start is kind of just about yourself. Could you sure. could you give us a little background about yourself to our audience here and let us know what's going on? Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll start with the stuff that matters, which is whiskey. So um, I had I had several past lives, which are much less interesting. So we'll skip right over that. <laughs> and uh, in 2009, uh, I was living in Seattle at the time and uh, hooked up with two guys that had this cockamamie idea to make single malt in Seattle. Um, and I said, that's a great idea. I love Scotch whiskey, <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, I went on a journey from there. So we uh, we started Westland Distillery, which is in Seattle, Washington, and uh, dedicated exclusively to single malt. And you know, we chose single malt for a few different reasons. One, we loved single malt, um, so why not make something and do something with all of your days that that you love doing. Um, mm-hmm. Second thing was, you know, we really wanted to make something that was evocative of the place that we lived. Uh, corn doesn't grow in Seattle, uh, <laughs> not naturally at least. Um, but you might not know it, but you know, Washington Pacific Northwest is one of the finest barley growing regions in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that made sense to us. And then honestly, from a business standpoint, we saw the opportunity. We saw the white space in the American whiskey market. We were really the first to talk about American single malt. We certainly weren't the first to make it. These guys were. Um, I would argue they were the first ones. Um, But we were the first ones to really use the term American single malt um, as, you know, a, a core tenant of our brand and our communications. So um, that was in 2009 and, um, 2016, um, uh, we formed the American single malt whiskey commission. I can tell you a little bit about that story, but the reason that we did it was, you know, we had, we had earned some, some accolades for the whiskey that we were making and the, and the work that we were doing. We won craft global craft distiller of the year from whiskey magazine. And, you know, we were, we were hot shit and, and, and thinking good things for ourselves. And, you know, then, you know, we really started expanding our distribution and realizing that we were selling something that nobody understood. (laughs) Um, And we were trying to um, put whiskey into a store that didn't have a a space for it, didn't have a category. So we realized quickly that in order for us to be successful individually as a business, as a distillery, that we needed to simultaneously build the category, (laughs) which was pretty daunting and, and scary. And, you know, our, uh, our investors were, were, um, very patient with us. Um, we told them, Hey, we need some extra marketing money to sell, not our brand, but an entire category. What do you think? Um, so we got to, um, we got to thinking, let's get a bunch of people together and let's make this happen. Um, so we reached out to all of our our whiskey making buddies. And we said, Hey, a lot of us are going to be in Chicago. I honestly don't even remember what the conference was, uh, but we're all in Chicago for conference in March of 2016. Um, and there was a blizzard (laughs) 
And we went to Benny's, which is uh, yep. uh, kind of a, you guys know what Benny's is. There you oh, go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're in, you're in Indiana. You know what Benny's is. I've been yeah. to Chicago, um, so yeah. Many times. So um, we all, I, I remember literally driving through that store and thinking I'm going to kill myself and never make it. Um, so there were nine of us. Well, there were nine distilleries that showed up. There were about a dozen of us around the table. And we set aside like three hours, figuring it would take us uh, a good bit of time to hash it out and argue over things. Um, but it took really about 20 minutes for us to sit down and draft what we wanted the definition for American single malt to be. And we can get into all the details about it. I'm happy to answer any questions. But, you know, the, the, the reason that we wanted to do it was a business reason. But also, uh, from a whiskey making standpoint, it was inevitable. This was going to happen. And we figured better for people that make it to decide what it is than somebody else, whether that be the government, a special interest group, whomever, the Scotch Whiskey Association. Yeah. Right? You know, let's let's do this ourselves before someone yeah. else does it for us. Um, so so that, were there any we negotiations or uh, what were, kind of what was the biggest sticking point of that? I mean, and I got well, a couple questions here. What was the biggest sticking sure. point that you had that meeting? and subsequent meetings and did the rules change from that first meeting to the time the TTB put it into the register? Um, again, there wasn't a ton of debate because mm -hmm. guys, single malt whiskey is obvious. It was important to us to um, meet the expectations consumers have globally for what single malt is. I mean, there's yeah. three basic tenants, right? It's made from 100% malted barley it's distilled at one distillery. And in our case, it's made in America. Um, we have some other things and I'm happy to get into that, but those were pretty obvious. The, the work was really in figuring out how it needed to be phrased because our government talks about whiskey from a regulatory standpoint differently than other governments do. And what we didn't wanna do was go to the TTB and ask them to reinvent how they talk about things or how they describe things or how they define things just for our category, because we knew right. they would say no and wouldn't do it. And they would, you know, <laughs> right. just brush us off and say, that's not the way we do things. So it was important for us to, okay. to kind of draft this in a, you know, in a smart way um, to make sure that we were setting ourselves up for success. Right. Um, there was a couple, you know, we, we brought a lot of things up. Um, obviously the minimum age statement is one that people want to talk about. We talked about it. Um, everybody agreed that that was not a, not a reasonable thing for America to adopt, but B the TTB already has rules for how, um, you, uh, convey age. So, um, that was a quick discussion. Um, the other kind of, uh, the other clause in our definition that's conspicuously absent is the pot still requirement that you get in Scotland. Of course, the, the conversation starts with, all right, well, what's the Scottish definition? Because that is the standard. Course, and yeah. All credit to them for building what single malt is, right? Um, yeah, we, all got, we all got into this uh, industry because we love scotch. You know, we love single malt scotch whiskey. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, tip our hats to them for, for being the ones to blaze the trail. Um, but we also had to look at the realities of what's happening from a 
distilling standpoint in the United States. So if you even just step back and think about it, there's close to 3,000 distilleries in this country. 3,000. There's wow. like 119 or something in Scotland, 129. I think it's yeah, kind of yeah, sure. I, don't I had know. no idea it was that much. Wow. Um, yeah. So, and also keep in mind that I think there's like 10,000 breweries or something like that, maybe even more, 12,000. That I believe for and sure. A, and a lot of what we knew was going to happen and what is happening now is that you see brewers starting to dabble in single malt because we make beer first sure. and yeah. then we just yeah, right. so yeah. so we had to look at the realities of the landscape of u.s brewing and distilling and the pot still requirement is in place for scotch single malt whiskey to maintain the integrity of the grain to ensure that you can't distill to a high enough proof that there's no grain character left Right. That's why that pot still requirement is there, because physically on a pot still, you can't get up to neutral grain spirits. Mm -hmm. um, the United States, again, going back to how things are phrased within the, the class of whiskey, um, already has um, a regulation for that, uh, a, a maximum distillation proof, which we have in our definition as well. Um, and to, to suggest to distillers across the country and even brewers that they need to throw out the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of equipment that they've installed so that they can put a pot still in is not reasonable and not necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, right. So that's the reason that we, that we left that out. Uh, everything so else is really pretty straightforward. Yeah, the barrels. Oh, I like the oak barrels. I like. I think it gives a great. Um, so it has to be in an oak barrel less than seven or seven hundred liters or less. It doesn't have to say new oak. It doesn't have to say used oak. It can be whatever oak you want. I love that yeah. idea. It gives great flexibility to that because I know casking is is the main variable in Scotch. Quite honestly, I mean the way you can do a cast. So I love that you've added that. The the one well, question I would that's ask an, though, that's an interesting topic. <laughs> and, and, and all all of our uh, all of the Scotch people that we know, it's like but you allow flavoring and it specifically allows flavoring. So give me the, talk to me about the discussion around that. Yes. I mean, I know, you know, like Jack honey sure. and all these big mm -hmm. brands have all these flavored whiskeys. Is that kind of the reason you left that in there or talk to me about that? We, we, we did not include flavoring at all. So just to be clear, our organization is adamantly against what we, what is broadly called adulteration. So colorings, flavoring, and what's called, um, um, uh, aging materials. Um, so we are, we are adamantly, we are adamantly against that. Yes. Oh. So that, that's not in the Scotch whiskey in the American single malt, um, uh, no. rules. No, it's not. It's not in our, it's not in our petition and hopefully it will not be part of the, that's good. Um, but it's not prohibited, right? It's not prohibited. We are, we are, we have asked the TTB to prohibit it. Yes. Oh, you so, okay. did. <clears throat> wow, Bur that. Bourbon in this country is is the one, and straight whiskey um, are the only types. So there's there's a class of whiskey, and within that class of whiskey, mm. you have various types: bourbon, rye whiskey, wheat whiskey, straights, straight versions of everything, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm. Bourbon, when they um, codified their regulation and their definition um, 
outlawed, prohibited adulteration. Um, we want the same. So a lot of people are confused by this because the, yes, the TTB that's... issued a very long um, treatise <laughs> on um, <laughs> what, what this is, what it's about, where it's come from, who we are, what we're asking for, and what they ultimately are proposing. They have proposed everything that we've asked them to propose. Now, after that definition that they've proposed, they posed a series of questions. Okay. So what happens is we petitioned to have uh, what's called a standard of identity um, added to the, the federal code of regulations. And after a long period of time <laughs> and, and subsequent, you know, ongoing petitions <laughs> yeah. to say it, to say it nicely um, in July of last year, they finally published their proposed rule. Yeah. With any law um, there is uh, what follows is a public comment period. Mm -hmm. So um, there is a 90 day public comment period to the end of September and they posed a number of questions, um, which we answered. Um, and we also, you know, saw questions from far and wide, from individuals to sure. trade organizations to distilleries and what have you. So the good thing is that they asked that question, should coloring, flavoring, and blending materials be allowed? Um, if they hadn't asked that question, and someone brought up that question in the public comment period, we would have gone all the way back to the beginning of the whole process and started. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? So, you <laughs> that know, sounds I, right. I'm grateful to them for including that. And in our formal response, which you can read in the, in the public register, um, we gave our reasons why we didn't want adulteration to be included, why we wanted it to be prohibited, just like it is with bourbon. Um, now this is where it kind of gets interesting, uh, because again, and I'm rambling if you guys want to stop me, no, 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 this go is ahead. Great. This Keep is going. a great question. Yeah. Uh, again, um, there's a specific way that the U S government phrases things. There's, you know, the regulations are ordered in a certain way. They have a section about adulteration. Mm -hmm. The easiest and most expeditious thing um, would be to just take it at face value and either say it's allowed or it's prohibited. The hard thing would be to get in a discussion about what should be allowed and what shouldn't be allowed, right? So basically our perspective is we don't want any of those things. We don't want any of those things because we believe it, take, it puts us as a category, American single malt, at a disadvantage globally um, and the last thing we need is other regions around the world pointing at us saying, yeah, those American single malt guys, be careful with that. There's all kinds yep, of funny, crazy, weird things yeah. happening in those bottles. You know, right. this is yep. the real stuff. That's, that's what we don't want. Exactly. Um, right. What we told them, though, in our formal response was, if this is a topic that you feel needs to be discussed and debated and... The most important thing is to ratify a definition. If that includes adulteration, we would be disappointed, but we'll live with that and we'll petition the day after 
to eliminate that <laughs> and go through it and go and go through that process. Okay. Um, so this is where it gets interesting, right? And I'm on Scotch for Dummies, so I'm going to try and be on my best behavior and say nice <laughs> things about Scotland. But what is the Scotch Whiskey Association's point of view on adulteration? Oh, Coloring only. Can you, can you guys guess? Yeah. Oh, we, no, no adulteration. We don't want that, except for caramel coloring, <laughs> right? <laughs> we so, don't mind that at all. And, and we don't mind no that at all. On how much sherry you can leave in the barrel before you add the whiskey to it. So there's some grayness there. Yeah, there's gray there. Yeah, too. so again, what, what, what I think would be a, a deep, dark rabbit hole is for the world of whiskey to start debating what's, what adulterate, what's adulteration and what's not. Absolutely. Um, yeah. 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 For sure. And that has been established in the the regulations. And for us, we guys, we've been waiting. We've been doing this for seven years. We've been waiting for this. <laughs> the last thing I want is for it to be to start know, over, yeah. Put on hold because right. there's a debate about adulteration. So do I want adulteration to be allowed? No, I don't. If they feel that that needs to be a yes instead of a no, I'm still going to sleep happy at night that we got this done. Um, and then I'll wake up in the morning and start drafting my petition to eliminate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, because okay, now that was my, my question because everything I read said that it, it occur, the current proposal is to allow it. So I did, I don't, didn't have your response. Uh, so that makes sense. And I, I think everybody that is online would agree that please don't adulterate it. Because there's so many flavored whiskeys out there that they have their own niche and they're they're very popular and they make tons of money, but it's not it's not that single malt yeah. kind of like higher level. Well, and and I agree with you. I think that that would definitely hurt its on the world market. And oh, for sure. You know, I I, I personally would want people to look at American single malt and say that's a that's a quality beverage. Like you can trust that. Yeah. You know, it's going to be good. And you know, I, I think you lose something if you don't do that. So. But it also might be like scotch where you've got some people that, you know, non-chill filter, no coloring, you know, and they proudly put it on the bottle. And then you've got other people that are like, well, there's whiskey in here. (laughs) And and look, guys, you you know, there's good whiskeys made that are chill filtered, you know. Yep. Absolutely. It's, you know, it is. One of the things that was important to us was that we leave flexibility in the definition for um, people to be creative and people to be innovative. That's what we have to offer as, as a category, as Americans, you know, and I think a lot of people, I'm going to say something nice about the Scotch whiskey association. You ready? A lot of people, um, a lot of people bad mouth the Scotch whiskey association and the rules. And they say they're too strict. They're too strict. And it's funny. One of the things I was thinking of earlier is when you, when you brought up the, the Oak provision. Mm-hmm. Um, it was right about the, when we were meeting, it was right about the time when uh, the Scotch whiskey association said that, okay, you can use tequila casks and like people shouted oh, from the mountaintops about how wonderful that was. And to us, it was yeah. just kind of, you know, we were snickering at it. It's like, you can use whatever you want. Like who cares as long as it's Oak, like why, you know, why is that some major thing, you know, but, um, but here's my perspective on this, that, the Scotch Whiskey Association and the regulations, the rules, the definition that's in place is not restrictive. 
necessarily. What's restrictive in Scotland is tradition, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, they're not they're not prohibited from doing a lot of the things that American single malt whiskey producers do or Australian single malt whiskey producers do or mm -hmm. Indian whiskey producers, you know. Um, it's just not in their tradition. And a lot of a lot of Scotch whiskey is very much tied to history, right? I, I make whiskey this sure. way because my father did before me and his father before him. And look, they make great whiskey. <laughs> there's, yep. there's no arguing that. There's no problem with that. They can't make enough to keep up with demand. There's no incentive or motivation for them to change the formula of what they're That's doing. Um, but in America, there's every incentive to do that. I would say almost, almost all of our members work hard to put their own stamp on single malt and to open their minds to possibilities. You talked about mesquite smoke, for instance, at the top here, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not really in our best interest as a category to just copy Scotch whiskey. That, why is that interesting? You know, exactly. Um, I, I think that's so, one thing I'm going to bring up too, is one of the things that as you, as we've explored Scotch whiskey in general, it's just the regions, right. And you, you start, it's muddied now a little bit more, but it used to be so kind of, flavor profiled in this sense, right? Isla, Speyside, Sweet, et cetera. And, I, and one of the things about American single malt that I'm looking forward to is the American version of that. Like, you know, obviously you can play around with mesquite and other things, but like, it would be great to start figuring out like, okay, you know, Northwest, you're going to start getting this, or you're going to get more on the East side. You're going to get, you know, I don't know, things like that. It'd be really cool to see American single malt evolve into that kind of a situation so that you start seeing kind of that flavor American coming out and these whiskeys. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I question that though, only in that Americans are really creative. And so, you know, one distiller in Texas is going to have 40 different single malts because they're trying different casks, they're trying different heat temperatures, they're trying, they're they're taking their casks and they're they're going to take their cask and move it to Seattle for to age it because they want to try that out. Okay, and, sure. and you're going to get you're for a while, I think you're going to get a um an explosion of good and bad whiskey. I think there's a, a significant potential that some of those casts are going to be terrible. And now whether those make it to the market, I guess would probably be a business decision, which probably isn't good, but the creativity fair, makes good and bad. And so it's going to be interesting to see, but, but you can't find that next cool thing unless you experiment. Exactly. So to me, the American single malt category is kind of where like California wines were in like the the fifties and sixties. Right. Okay. And it's, uh, it's I kind of a gunslinger all the time. Yeah. And you know, they, they ended up beating the French wines, yeah. you know, and they came out of left field because they were trying things yeah. that were new and being creative. Yeah, and I, think I did a whole campaign at Westland based on the, the judgment of Paris and you know, the, the, the California wines didn't go over there with copies of French wine. They went over there with something distinct, you know, yeah. and that's, that's what we're trying to do here. The regions is interesting. I have a lot of things to say because I started looking at the uh, the comments here and comment about the, got quite a few the, yeah. the, litig <laughs> the litigious nature of the SWA. Um, look, I, I want to make it clear that the the commission isn't here to um, regulate quality. That's not our role. That's not my role. Yeah, that consumers vote with their wallets. It's their it's their job to decide what's good and what's not. Yeah. Um, and, and I do think that there's been some overreaching 
um, in other regions where you know there's there's some protectionism about the quality, but quality is subjective. So, um, and as long as I'm kind of getting a little spicy here, um, I want I want to I want to touch on this regions thing because this this comes up all the time. Are there going to be American regions like there are in Scotland? Um, and there's there's even internal debate. I mean, you two disagreed, yeah, <laughs> right? Agree, and yeah. that that happens in our group all the time. Yeah. Um, what I don't want to do is fabricate regions if it evolves naturally. And I can speak to a few things that I do think are happening. Um, I think that's fine. I think that's great. Um, I think the Scotch whiskey regions is a whole lot of baloney. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a marketing yeah, ploy. I mean, now. The, yep. the reality yeah. is they're all getting their grain from the same place. They all use the same yeast. That grain, that barley's mostly coming from Eastern Europe. So, I mean, what kind of regional imprint is there? You know, oh, we talked wow. before we got yeah. on about, we talked before we got on about angles of wine arms and things like that, that everybody wants to talk about. I mean, what's yeah. distinct from distillery to distillery is the choices that people make. Um, can you reflect place in whiskey? I believe a hundred percent. Yes. I don't necessarily think that most Scotch whiskeys are trying to do that. And I think the regions were certainly a marketing, you know, effort that, that worked wonderfully. I mean, you can't go into a pub, even in America, without a placemat with the regions on it in front of you. So yeah. it, it's worked for them. But from a whiskey standpoint, it's pretty suspect. I think the, um, the only thing I, I think I totally agree with you, in especially in the marketing uh, discussion part of it, especially and even, Sean, you mentioned now how everything is kind of muddied in a sense. But you can't argue weather and certain environment patterns too, like with the ocean shores versus not. I mean, there's some, and maybe, maybe this is my ignorance and distilling. I don't, I don't know, but <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of debate about the, the whole, the whole brininess thing. And a lot of Scotch whiskey distillers that will tell you that, you know, aging by the oceans, a whole bunch of horseshit. Uh, <laughs> really? No, you kidding. know, it's, it's, yeah, and a lot of, seasoned senior respected people will have that point of view and i'm not going to open that can of worms and there's no <laughs> right or wrong. i want you to this is one of my favorite interviews already i love this this is great there's no right or wrong answer to this i mean and again things are subjective um you know how much you know how much is you know is projecting i love to blind taste whiskey because i don't want to know i don't want to see the label i don't want to see a big giant ocean wave on a Talisker bottle and be like, hmm, this is bright. It was bright. Because I saw the wave. Right. Yeah. So right. I think that I think that um even those things aside, the <laughs> this is one of my favorite topics. And what I think is interesting about single malt whiskey, and you've already brought up Texas and Seattle, right? I mean, you yeah. couldn't be two different climate, you know, two That's more really. different climates. Yeah. And are there microclimates in Scotland? Yes, of course there are. Is there a great difference from one region to another? No, it's no. all, you know, it, it barely, the cold, temperature barely, <laughs> barely breaks a 20 degree window, right? Higher yeah, or, or yeah. lower. Right. So I think that what is, what is really interesting about single malt in America is even if we, even if we replicated the techniques and brought over the same equipment, there's such a wide range of climate realities in this country that that's already going to unfold this you know really interesting exploration into what does single malt look like when it's done in texas 
What does single malt distilled in Texas and aged in Seattle, like you said, mean, you know, two years in Texas, two years in Seattle. So I think that stuff's wildly interesting. And I think it's going to open a lot of eyes and, and make for a lot of fun tasting for people. I think it's going to end up like barbecue, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you get uh, you know. That's I mean, a really good analogy. You you get a few different styles in random regions. You know, in a yeah. hundred years, they can talk about it, right? Like, yeah. it's not going to be next year. It's no, going to be a long be. time from now when it gets sorted out. But I I feel like the the number of different climates and the altitudes and yeah. Yeah. Just, there's so many different variables in the United States versus a lot of other countries that they can 100%. just in aging, it'll be amazing. Yeah, it'll be a lot of agree. And I and I think what is emerging now, or let's say what has emerged to date, has been more cultural than climate based. I think you see in the Pacific Northwest, you see a lot of craft brewing influence. So you see different types of malts. Um, you see brewers yeast being used. You go to, you know, I think you guys have a bottle of whiskey Del Bach there. You know. Yep. Yep. They, they've got mesquite smoke because that's kind of evocative of their place. I think you see on the eastern seaboard, you see a little bit more of a traditional approach and flavor profile, something that's probably closer to scotch in profile. So, but those things are choices. I mean, whiskey, you know, I mentioned, you know, where, where do scotch whiskey, you know, distilleries get their grain from? It's largely not from Scotland, right? So, yeah. And that's fine. You know, the, the, the global grain economy is driven by Budweiser, <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So, so, true. Yeah. so the reality is you can do anything anywhere. If you want to pay for the freight, <laughs> you can yeah, get anything true. to Indiana and make whatever you want there. You can make whatever kind of equipment you want. You can get every, whatever kind of raw yeah. ingredients you want and you can make it there. And I think that's great. I think people should have the freedom. I mean, fuck, this is America, right? (laughs) You know, wave the flag here. I mean, you should have the freedom to do what you want. And I think that if we as a category, and certainly if we as a commission tried to arbitrarily draw lines and make a map of regions and say to, you know, say to Stephen at Whiskey Del Bach, you have to do this because that's your region. You know, that's ridiculous. What if he wants to try something else? What if he wants to, you know, uh, at Westland, everything that's peated right now, which I saw early in the comments, everything that's peated right now is from uh, a local peat bog, which has a totally different uh, character. But for the first several years, that was not possible. So we brought in Baird's peated malt um, from Scotland. So, and where did that grain come from? Who knows? Probably not Scotland, probably (laughs) Poland. So... I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's totally valid. And if someone wants to try something totally different that isn't necessarily evocative of their place, that's fine. They should they shouldn't have to be restricted. So that seems fair. Yep. So I I'm kind of curious. I, your job basically is to is to grow this beverage category. Mm-hmm. So are you going out and trying to recruit? some of these 3000 distilleries onto your uh, American single malt crusade, or are you just kind of advising people that are thinking about getting into that and, and want to try it out and see what's available? Or is it more marketing the, the category to, to let the ones that are there grow and let people come on board if they want to. 
Yes. <laughs> so Excellent. Is, is, yeah. the, is the wizard so we, lots of people, or are you like one of a few? How's how does that? You mean our organization? Yes. You're looking at it. All right. <laughs> yeah. Great. All right. Yeah. I mean, um, we have we have a, a board that's largely made up of the founding distilleries, but we've added yeah. a few um, since then that have raised their hands and said we want to be more involved. Uh, Stephen at Whiskey Del Box, a great example. He's on our board. Um, so he advises and, and, and helps out and he's raises his hand when we need to do an event and, you know, if he needs to fly across the country, he'll go do it. Um, so we have people that are helping out. We have teams at distilleries that will donate their time. I don't do the social media. Someone from Virginia distillery, Becca does that. So oh, nice. people help out, but it's an all volunteer situation. Um, what are we trying to do? Yeah, we're trying to recruit people in it. We're trying to encourage people to make single malt because that's the best thing to make. Why wouldn't you? Absolutely. So we're we, not going to argue. Got, we've got a, a hundred plus or minus a couple um, members right now. I know personally of 250 distilleries that are making single malt whiskey in this country. Um, you bet your ass I'm reaching out to those other 150 on a regular basis saying, you know, why aren't you signing up? What's the delay? You know, join us. <laughs> right. um, I think that what you'll see when, um, when the, the definition is ratified shortly, um, I think what you'll see is, is a boom in single malts. I, I would imagine that fairly quickly we'll double that 250 to about 500, making some amount of single malt. You know, that could be a cast a year. But, you know, I think you'll see a lot of people jump into it. I think you'll see the people that are making it currently start to make a lot more of it. The vast majority of our members aren't exclusively single malt distilleries. They make other things as well. <clears throat> I think you'll see a lot sure. more investment yeah. in that. You're already seeing the big boys. All the big boys uh, are making single malt. Um, mm -hmm. All but two of them are represented in the commission and you can bet your ass that I've been knocking on the door of the two that are. <laughs> That's um, yeah. Are you, are you sharing, I, are you sharing like advice on people that some of these distilleries that don't, don't, don't make it yet or wanting to make it and, and trying to get their stuff out? Yeah. I got a call um, the other day um, from a distiller who had, who had moved from Virginia um, and is working at a new distillery and trying to convince his ownership to, to go down the yeah. American single malt route. So he reached out to me, I gave him what I could. Uh, and this, com this comes down to, uh, or comes back to that question of data, which uh, I guess the audience didn't hear us talking about before we jumped on, but yeah, yeah. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lack of data because first of all, the category doesn't exist. It, it's, right. you know, it's not a yeah. thing officially. Um, the vast majority of people that are making it just by the numbers, not by the volume, but by the numbers are independent distilleries mm -hmm. that don't report or need to report any of their numbers. The data that's out there is from, you know, organizations like IWSR. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that's kind of a self-reported mm -hmm. thing and is notoriously kind of more rough edges type of, um, uh, data. So, it's really concrete. I'll, I'll take the opportunity to um, browbeat my membership. Um, the best thing that we can do as an organization is to provide that data. Right. <laughs> and, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, if, and if, if I ask, 
if this is every a niche week. market, if this is a niche market, and I can only sell a barrel a year. Why would I invest? I mean, that, 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 that's the kind of thing that if, if there are truly large yeah. distillers that are doing it and they're selling, you know, cases and cases and cases of this and, and you can get a premium for it because it's a, it's a unique, you know, a premium brand or premium, you know, style. That's what we need to know. Yeah. 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 And, and, and look, I, it, there is data that, that demonstrates that this is the fastest growing category of whiskey. Um, in America, which is a great thing and has been for the last couple of years and will continue to be. Um, but what we need is our membership. If everybody's listening, <laughs> complete <laughs> the damn survey and give me the information so that when you guys ask and when journalists ask and when the TTB asks, I can say, this is what you're, this is what you're investing in. This is what you're supporting. This is what you're writing about. This is why this is important. This is how many jobs it serves. This is how much grain we buy. You know, all that kind of stuff is is wildly important. Um, but it's like, you know, you can imagine it's like pulling teeth. You know, this is this is not everybody's main priority from a administrative standpoint. You know, they've got yeah, they've got fermenters bubbling over. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah. They're, they're <laughs> no, exactly what giving, you're giving me the data I'm asking for is not on the top of their to do list. <laughs> yeah, when when we first started doing this uh, American single malt early in the year, I was able to pull some data on craft distillers, which is I'm, I'm sure American single malt is a tiny portion of craft distillers. Cause mm. I think like Keto's is a craft distiller technically by their, whatever the rule is. So whatever. don't get me started but, on the word craft, but yeah, so <laughs> the, the, but the, there are more craft distillers by volume, by employee, by brand. And they're all, uh, there are in all of Scotland. So craft distillers in the U.S. is a larger industry than all of Scotch whiskey. So, and and so American single malt, while maybe a very small portion of that, has potential to to really grow. I think. Yeah. And it's Real quickly, there's a there's a question: Is there a place we can go to sign a petition? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You can go to americansinglemaltwhiskey.org. And um, just sign up to be a supporter. You can select that you're a distiller, you're a trade member, or you're just a general consumer. And that matters. The TTB wants to see industry consensus and consumer support. So the more numbers that we can have, you know, all you're doing is giving me your email and you're on the mailing list. That That's the petition, right? We so, can definitely help um, with that. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Please do. Just, just go to the website, sign up. Um, Shit, I'm going to be busy tomorrow uploading everything to MailChimp. But um, yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, and so, so what, what's the website again? AmericanSingleMaltWhiskey.org. AmericanSingleMaltWhiskey.org. Okay. So we'll uh, put that into the chat to make sure people can oh, nice. get it later and things like that. Um, American Single Malt Whiskey Commission. Okay, great. Perfect. All right. What a oh, question. So we were talking to some, um, some, uh, members earlier in a, in a live chat. And we were talking about um, some of the, some of the key, really important questions. Like, are you going to 700 centiliter? Are you recommending that? I know you, you don't, you're not a distillery, but is that where, is that where the industry is going to the 700 uh, or 70 centiliter bottle? Or are you going to stay with 750? Well, the, the third thing that I was going to mention earlier about what I think we're going to see as soon as this definition is ratified, um, you're going to say, Oh, look at that. It's scrolling. Wow, yep. you, guys are, you guys are good. <laughs> Tech guy. Um, yeah, look at this. Um, uh, you're going to see 
producers that are making it make more of it. You're going to see new entrants um, and you're going to see um, more export happen. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's inevitable um, and, and will come quickly. Um, so yeah, I, you know, personally as someone that, you know, worked at a distillery um, for a long time, you know, yes, we were moving to 700s. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, the, at, at Westland, we exported to, I want to say a dozen um, overseas markets, you know, just from a logistics standpoint, you know, having to bottle things in two different sizes is a nightmare. You know, it's yeah. such a headache. It's, you know, you know, you're opening yourself up to making mistakes. People make mistakes. You know, you send the wrong size to the wrong place. It's just silly. So, um, yeah, I, I can tell you from some of my other whiskey exploits that I've been working on and talking to glass manufacturers that we won't see a big move towards that until the big guys make this, make the shift. Right. Because the big guys making the shift will inevitably be the tipping point to availability. So if you're a small craft distiller and you want a stock bottle from XYZ supplier and you want it in 700s, they don't have it (laughs) Mm -hmm. because they're not stocking it yet because the big guys aren't making it worth their while. So yeah, they, they, you know, some of those organizations have factories overseas and if you want to pay a ton of money to, you know, make it more complicated, then yes. But um, it will it will happen. Everybody will move to seven hundreds. You know, the the trade is resisting, but it'll happen. It'll happen. Yeah, if it's a global, because what is it? U.S. and South, South Africa, Africa are the only two countries that have it. <laughs> that <laughs> seems Thanks, right Tom, for that. Yeah. <laughs> that's a paid comment. Look, right? hey, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. I'll actually address it. I I think yeah. you know. Jack Daniels releasing a, an American single malt is a good thing. I think yeah. that um, that brings more visibility to what we're doing. It brings more validity to it. Yeah. Um, and I would suggest that as long, you know, the more people that are making good whiskey, the better. So uh, in the, yeah. in the category. So I don't, I don't, I don't have any problem with the big boys getting into it. And again, all the big boys are involved because they own, you know, we sold Westland to Remy Quantro. Remy Quantro is, uh, you know, what the fourth largest spirits company in the world or something, you know, um, Diageo is represented. um, Proximo is represented. uh, Bacardi is represented. So yeah. yeah, I mean, that brings visibility and, and legitimacy to the category. I, I think it's great. You know, I hope to God that they make good whiskey and that they don't, you know, um, ruin the brand. Yeah. They don't kind of, yeah, tarnish the reputation. But that's not yeah. for me to decide. It's not for the commission to decide. And no. every category has a range of price points and a range of, you know, qualities, which again is subjective. And you know, a, a range of approaches to a to a marketing and presentation and whiskey making, I think the more, the better. Absolutely. So what, what I see, so you're suggesting the American single malt whiskey commission is going to be a primarily communication marketing influence tool and not a regular regulatory body. You're not planning. Yeah, that's, that's the TTB's job. Not okay, mine. So that you don't need to do that. Okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to police my membership. You know, I make them sign a pledge that they adhere to, not only the definition that we've outlined, but we have a, you can see it on the website, it's scrolling across the bottom. Um, <laughs> we have a, a transparency platform, you know, 
um, that we ask all of our that we ask all of our members to um, adhere to. Um, so, you know, look, guys, this is an honor system. I'm not going to spend my days flying around and, and you know doing. He you got know, time. Mass, mass spectrometer, you know, um, data science on people's whiskey and you know and police. He'll them. do it for you. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. you go. I'm looking, I'm looking I mean, for that a, is that spec from that my, is from my garage. <laughs> once the TTB defines this category, it, that's their job. And there are people out there right now. Um, I know of several, and I've spoken to them that are putting American single malt whiskey on their bottle that is not single malt whiskey. Um, okay. And it's the TTB, TTB's job to tell them they can't do that and not approve their label. That, that's a, another quick question. With the E or without the E in whiskey? <laughs> what does the commission recommend? Or do they care? Or you don't care? I, well, the commission doesn't recommend anything. So I can <laughs> okay. tell you what I can tell you what I think. <laughs> well, okay. What do you what do you think, and what are you pushing can, for? When you well, I think it doesn't matter. First of all, um, okay. I think it's I think it's kind of a silly argument <laughs> to to be having. I, it's funny. I um, do you guys know Joshua and Jason who run Single Cast Nation and um, and do the uh, the One Nation Under Whiskey podcast? They do these incredibly long three hour podcasts, which are um, exhausting but fun um, and then they do they they've committed themselves to doing kind of an in the news podcast that's they've committed to be 30 seconds long and they did a whole podcast on american single malt whiskey and they were right on the 29th minute they had covered everything you know they had done a, a wonderful job of raising the topics and discussing them and then Joshua says, E or no E. And they went way over their 30 minute timeline. <laughs> talked about that for 10 minutes. I'm like, what does yeah. it matter, guys? Who cares? At yeah. Westland, we chose to use an E. We thought that was American and we wanted to be American. Um, yeah. But we, we only asked because we had a couple matter. bottles with and without. And I said, I, I would e. say personally, so. <laughs> The only the only thing that I that that I have a visceral reaction to is the parenthetical E. I hate that. Like just oh just yeah, pick the E pick or one. don't. I don't care. But I think yeah. it looks I think it looks ugly. But that's just it me. does. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I agree. The, the commission will have the commission will have no stance on that. Right. So does will the regulation have a stance on it though? Will the regulation define it? The TTB the does not use an E um, in all of their regulations for whiskey. Um, oh really? But they sometimes do the parenthetical thing in other documentation and letters. I think if if I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure in the um, in the proposal they use the parenthetical thing. Mm-hmm. It, does, guys, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. No, matter. that seems like something. <laughs> it doesn't have any impact no. of what's in the bottle at all. <laughs> but, but what I see is some people hitting. Like if oh if gosh. the regulation says no e. I could put an E on it and then I don't have to follow the rules, but maybe not. Maybe that's no, maybe that's no. From, from a, they, they do stipulate that you can spell it either way. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, the question now is, we yeah. started a fight in the comments too. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They'll get, they'll get our commenters going. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's the thing they're going to die on right there. Comments. Uh, what does Steve have in his glass tonight? All right. So I know a lot of people know some of the big boys. Um, yep. So one of the comments that I wanted to make, and I know we're running short on time, but 
We've been doing this for seven years and I'll admit there were times in the early days when I would have a panel or uh, a tasting and we'd have eight American single malts and, you know, three or four of them were pretty suspect. And now, <laughs> and now every time I do a tasting, they're all fantastic. They really are. And look, there's always going to be in any category, Scotch whiskey included. Absolutely. There's always going to be good things and bad things. And there's mm -hmm. always that subjectivity. Um, but let me just show you um, a few of the things that I pulled out tonight because I mean, all of these are fantastic and not super well-known. I showed you the McCarthy's bottle. This is a special bottle that Joe, the distiller sent me. Um, this is a, a PX Sherry cast finished um, Ooh, single malt. Sounds wonderful. Um, made in Oregon. Um, I started the night with uh, Rua single malt, which is from uh, Great Wagon Road Distillery in Charlotte. Okay. Um, uh, really impressed with Looks stuff. Delicious. I like it a lot. Um, my good friend Murphy is freaking brilliant and making wonderful whiskey in Iowa. Wow. It's called the quintessential Cedar Ridge, um, American single malt. These guys, it's funny. They sell more bourbon than anybody in Iowa, including <laughs> Maker's Mark, including the big boys, wow. um, <laughs> which is an impressive feat, but yeah, yeah, it is. I would say so. It's, I mean, no matter where you are, that's an impressive. You've got a huge feat. distribution network in <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> Uh, Michael really says, Total Wine has a lot of bad scotch. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. What was I saying about this? Um, oh, but I was saying that Murphy, the head distiller there, all he if, if he had the choice, all he would make is single malt all day long. Oh, nice. Um, oh, so sure. highly recommend this guy. Um, Deer Hammer, these guys are out of Colorado. This is a bottle that uh, they sent me. I get a lot of good stuff, which is nice that it's yeah. always nice. It isn't on the shelf. Uh, you know so these guys are in Buena Vista, Colorado, Deerhammer. Um, they're doing interesting things. Um, we've talked about Texas. Uh, I'm saving this for last because it's um, uh, it's beaded, uh, which I love. Um, these guys are Andalus Andalusia. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. In yeah Texas. That, that they're they're doing they're doing Maybe. really great oh, things as well. Yeah. I mean, all of these bottles guys are great and. I'm glad nobody's brought up age because that's a stupid conversation to have. Yeah, we, these yeah, guys are all. Do these taste like Scotch single malts? No, they don't. No. That's what's interesting <laughs> about them. But they are genuinely fantastic pours. They really are. Um, so and so these these are some of the best guys doing it. For those of us that are in a a market that's e either hard to get whiskeys or a controlled state. What do you recommend for us to be able to get to these whiskeys to be able to you know, support the market. How do we get them? Well, Which there's, could... there's a lot of online um, marketplaces popping up and you're going to see more and more and more of that. So this bottle I got uh, off seal box. Um, Cedar, Cedar Ridge is on there as well. I know. Okay. Um, a lot of distilleries box? are, are, are now having their own uh, online shops and they just okay. kind of, it's not super apparent to the consumer that they're not actually buying from the distillery. They're buying from a company that works with a retailer in a state that will send it to you. So yeah, it's very convoluted and very complex. And hopefully yeah. within 10 years, that whole thing gets turned on its head because it needs, because it needs to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And all the wholesalers in the, in the 
in the group here can start lambasting me in the comments, but it's guys, it's inevitable. It's going to happen because consumers like you guys want it to happen. You're like, why oh, can't I get absolutely. this stuff easier? Well, and as a restaurant, I can tell you it's, it's a horrible pain yeah. to try and get stuff that, that they don't offer in your state. Uh, and I've got customers that want to buy that stuff. So yeah. it, it's a, it's a pain for businesses too. Uh, yeah. so 100%. yeah, the, the whole from prohibition era laws, probably needs to be updated a little bit. Yeah. You, you you would think so. But, you know. are, are you able to get into like top 10 American single malt whiskeys in whiskey advocate and all the whiskey magazines to try and try and uh, communicate the brands that are out there that are making good whiskey that I would never have heard of Cedar Ridge or, you know, mm-hmm. deer hammer in Indiana. Well, it's, just- it's interesting um, that you mentioned that one of the things that is, um, kind of in our remit here is um, working with whiskey competitions to lobby yeah. them to have American single malt categories. And we've actually no, been really good. successful at that. Um, a lot of the publications um, have given me this, they've look, they've written about it, which is the most important thing. You know, mm-hmm. there's yeah. article, you know, uh, my good friend Clay, uh, from the New York Times, read a great article uh, a couple of days ago. Look it up. Um, Clayers okay. and um, just do New York Times single American single ball and it'll come up. Um, they're doing a great job covering the emergence of this category. But for some reason, a lot of these publications will stop at having an American single malt category in their review section at the back of the magazine. And I don't understand why. And Mm. the answer that I get is, well, when it's an official category, we'll start to eat. I'm like, it's a a category. If you say it is guys, like you're one of the arbiters of, of, you know, of, of, (laughs) (laughs) just, just do it. (laughs) You know, you don't have to wait for the, for uncle Sam to give you permission. so and i and i find the same thing with retailers um you know we were talking at the before the thing about uh, about retailers and going in and you say do you have any american single malts and they raise an eyebrow and they say i don't know what you're talking about exactly and i don't have it i've been several times into a retailer and they'll say well we don't have any american single malt and i say yes you do come here and i take them by the hands maybe not actually because that's a little awkward but i walk them around their own store yeah i walk them around their own store and i say here's an american single malt in the bourbon section here's the american single malt in the local section here's an american single malt in the scotch section here's an american single malt in the other section they have no you've got them here you just need to put them together and put them right in between the scotch whiskey aisle or column and the world whiskey column and boom there you go it's it's, it's really just a study it's, it's not, not hard. hard. You go in the liquor store and you see you see a malt that they it's marketing. They know what they're doing. Just put a category that says American single malt and start putting pieces in there and it will grow over time. Yeah. I mean, it will get there. Yeah, we we just did a we just did a study with um Total Wine where we did a virtual store or a virtual shelf study and it showed that not only did their American single malt skyrocket in um um, in purchase, but it raised other categories as well. And it raised yeah. their total ticket um, out the door with customers. 
Nice. So they were actually buying extra bottles just because they saw. They were buying more expensive things. Right. That's awesome. Nice. I would think in in those terms too, just just because of the bourbon. I've got plenty of friends that are just bourbon nuts and and they go, the market's crazy right now, obviously. But you would think at some point it's, they're going to get burned out and, but they're still interested in the whole whiskey consumption. This is another, and let's be honest, you know, we talked about this with our patrons before the show. It's also an American thing to do, right? It's bourbon, et cetera. I mean, American single malt has American in the name of it. I mean, how much more patriotic can you get? So (laughs) I think, I think there is a, an easy turn, if you will, from bourbon to this. And it's just one of those things. It's like, Hey guys, get off your corn bandwagon and look at what's really <laughs> good over here is more variety. Other things going on. We just need to get people to shift from that. I think it's, yeah. it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Yeah. I, I definitely have a strong opinion. It's, it's, a, it would be a great thing to end on because, you know, I think it's really the point and real quickly, will American blended malts emerge? 100%. Absolutely. I see that tradition coming. Independent bottling already happening. You know, those oh, kind wow. of, those, cool. those traditions will follow 100%. That's great. But I, but I think that, you know, at, at Westland, for instance, when we went over to France and said, we sell American single malt whiskey, they said, oh, cool. Interesting. Tell me about how you make it. And let me ask you all these nerdy questions. When you say to someone here, in the States that walks in the tasting room for God's sakes. And you say, we make American single malt. They say, I don't know what you're talking about. And then you start talking about bourbon. What do you know about whiskey? Do you know bourbon's made from corn? No, I didn't know that. Where do you keep the potatoes? I got that question all the time. Are you You kidding me? So there's, there's definitely, (laughs) there's, there was, I will say this, there was 10 years ago when we started this, a real dearth of, of knowledge, but you know, you go over to Europe, they've lived with whiskey their whole lives. They understand it. You don't have to explain a lot to them. They drink it when they're kids, you know, it's, it's just part of, part of the culture. Um, here, you know, it wasn't that long ago, guys, that we were all drinking vodkas and Cosmos. Well, I wasn't, but yeah, most people were, whatever, but it's been quite remarkable to watch the, the, the pace at which the American consumer is learning. They're learning fast. And there's people like you guys that yep. just live next to each other doing stuff like this. Like this never would have happened 10 years ago. That's <laughs> true. Uh, that is so, true. So, I mean, the level of education is rapidly increasing. And I think that is great for American single malt. I do believe, I do believe that there is a great bourbon lake coming. Um, and I think that there is going to be an end to this blind chase for any bottle of bourbon out there. And I'm not even going to open it. I'm going to hold on to it and sell it and all this nonsense. Well said. Well said. And I, and I think that people are going to look for unique flavor profiles and look to see what's interesting. And that's going to happen soon. And American single malt is a great place to turn for that. Absolutely. We agree. Yeah. We are 100% on board with us. We are super, obviously we're Scotch for dummies, but that's because we didn't know what we we're doing back then. <laughs> we, like we, we love what we're doing right now, and we love American Single Malt. And I'm telling you what, we're super, super excited. So thank you awesome. so much for being part of this show. Thanks for having we me, guys. Have you back on. Super fun. 
our, our guys, I'm telling you right now, we're going to hear about this for, for weeks. It's like, can we get Steve back on, please? So we'd love to have you back. <laughs> Indiana, we'd love to meet you in person. Yeah, I, I will take you up on that, and I'm happy to be on anytime. This is fun yeah. stuff for me so to this do. Is, so this awesome. is just the beginning, my friend. So here's to uh, yeah. American Single Malt. And, Cheers, uh, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Three, two, one. Here we go.